Warning, the following episode contains graphic depictions, discussions of death and mutilation, discussions of violence, and presentations of otherworldly horror. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Foundation. New recruit, though I feel such a term is not as fitting as it once was. I usually start off these episodes with a little clip of how the production goes, before moving into a formal introduction and, eventually, the SCP files that I want you to learn. We're going to break with that today, and present you with some treats. As you might have noticed, we've just finished our first four episodes, The Fundamentals. As promised, I want to shift gears now. The next few files are going to instead be less familiar. They'll still be quality for your education and for preparing you for life here at the Foundation, but other researchers here at the site may not know about them, as they're no longer part of the standard repertoire, and are instead carefully picked for you as our newest member. So today, I'm going to present you with a few of these files to get you prepared. They're not going to deviate too far from what you've learned. But next week, I'll be presenting something special, so stay tuned. Now, let us begin. Item number, SCP-087, The Stairwell, originally researched by a staff member of the name Zaid. Its object class is Euclid. We begin with the Special Containment Procedures. SCP-087 is located on the campus of The doorway leading to SCP-087 is constructed of reinforced steel with an electro-release lock mechanism. It has been disguised to resemble a janitorial closet consistent with the design of the building. The lock mechanism on the doorknob will not release unless Volts are applied in conjunction with counterclockwise rotation of the key. The inside of the door is lined with 6 centimeters of industrial foam padding. Due to the results of the final exploration, see document 087-4, no personnel are permitted access to SCP-087. Description SCP-087 is an unlit platform staircase. Stairs descend on a 38-degree angle for 13 steps before reaching a semicircular platform of approximately 3 meters in diameter. Descent direction rotates 180 degrees at each platform. The design of SCP-087 limits subjects to a visual range of approximately 1.5 flights. A light source is required for any subjects exploring SCP-087, as there are no lighting fixtures or windows present. Lighting sources brighter than 75 watts have shown to be ineffective, as SCP-087 absorbs excess light. Subjects' reports and audio recordings confirm the distressed vocalizations from what is presumed to be a child between the ages of and the source of the distress calls is estimated to be located approximately 200 meters below the initial platform. However, 
any attempts to descend the staircase have failed to bring the subjects closer to the source. The depth of descent, calculated from Exploration 4, the longest exploration, is shown to be far beyond the possible structure of both the building and its geological surroundings. At this time, it is unknown if SCP-087 has an endpoint. SCP-087 has undergone four video-recorded explorations by Class D personnel. Each subject conducting an exploration has encountered SCP-087-1, which appears as a face with no visible pupils, nostrils, or mouth. The nature of SCP-087-1 is entirely unclear, but it has been determined that it is not the source of the pleading sounds. Subjects exhibit feelings of intense paranoia and fear when faced with SCP-087-1, but it is undetermined whether said feelings are abnormal or simply natural reactions. Addendum. Over a period of two weeks following Exploration 4, several members of the staff and students from the campus reported knocking at a variable rate of one to two seconds per knock coming from the interior of SCP-087. The door leading to SCP-087 has been fitted with six centimeter thick industrial padding. All reports of knocking have ceased. Authorized personnel may refer to documents 087-1 through 087-4 for transcripts of explorations one through four. The following is the transcript of the first file. Document number 087-1, Exploration 1. The following document features the explorations of SCP-087 by D-Class Personnel 8432. Class D designation is a result of demotion due to mishandling of SCP-D-8432 is equipped with a 75-watt flood lamp with battery power capable of lasting 24 hours a handheld camcorder fit with a transmission stream, and an audio headset for communication with Dr. at control. D-8432 steps through the doorway onto initial platform. Despite the wattage, the flood lamp only illuminates the first nine steps, and the second platform is not visible. D-8432 descends for 13 steps before reaching the second platform. The platform is in the shape of a semicircle, with an apparently concrete surface and walls. There are no distinct markings, aside from nondescript patches of dust, dirt, or water, consistent with that which is found in a typical concrete stairwell. D-8432 rotates 180 degrees to begin descent down to the second flight, and then pauses. None of the described audio is feeding through the camera or mic at this time. Can you please describe the sound? It's young. Either female or very young boy. It's crying and sobbing and saying, Please. Help. Please. Yeah, 
that it keeps repeating that and crying. Can you estimate its distance from your current location? The subject ascends another 13 steps. As they reach the landing, audio of the child as described is picked up. The child alternates between sobbing, wailing, and the words please, help, and down here. The level of audio is consistent with D8432's report of it being approximately 200 meters below. The subject ascends another three flights of stairs before stopping. Keep going? Please. D8432 continues another 17 flights for a total of 22 before stopping. There is no visual change in the environment, and each flight has been consistent with 13 steps. Stereo audio confirms that the crying noise has not increased in volume and remains approximately 200 meters below the subject. The subject continues another 28 flights before stopping, for 50 flights total. D8432 is standing on the 51st landing, counting the initial ground level landing. D8432 is estimated to be 200 meters below the initial platform. 34 minutes have elapsed. The volume of the crying has not increased. The subject hesitates before stepping down on the next stair. As the subject moves forward, the flood lamp illuminates a face located approximately at the bottom of the flight. This is seen to be SCP-087-1. It appears to be the same size and shape as a human head, except it's lacking a mouth, nostrils, and pupils. The face is completely motionless, but is making direct eye contact, indicating its awareness of D-8432. Face jerks forward about 50 centimeters directly towards 8432. D8432 enters a panic state and rapidly ascends SCP 087. D8432 reaches the ground floor in 18 minutes, at which time he collapses and passes out. There is no sign of SCP 087 1. Review of the footage indicates an equal number of flights and steps ascending as descending. Audio of the crying and pleading remains at the same volume until the last flight, at which point it ceases. Medical reports indicate collapse was a result of the rapid ascension of the stairs, causing fatigue.
Next is document 087-2, a log of the second exploration attempt. This log follows the exploration of D-9035. Psychological background of this D-class personnel indicates no abnormalities except an extreme hatred for women. Subject has an extensive record of D-9035 is equipped with a 100-watt flood lamp with battery power capable of lasting 24 hours, a handheld camcorder fitted with a transmission stream, and an audio headset for communication with Dr. at control. D-9035 is also equipped with a backpack containing 100 small LED lights with adhesive backs and battery lives of approximately three weeks. Lights turn on and off by compressing them. D-9035 shines the flood lamp down the first flight of stairs. Despite the extra wattage, the light does not illuminate beyond the ninth step. D-9035 shines its light into the hallway. Comparison with the footage from Exploration 1 confirms it is indeed brighter. Thank you. Please continue to the first landing. Hey, Doc, I know what you said and all, but I don't want to go down there. Please, continue to the first landing. Doc, look, I... As per earlier conversation, please continue to the first landing. D-9035 pauses for 18 seconds, then descends 13 steps to the first landing and stops. Is, is that a kit? Please, remove one of your adhesive lights and affix it to the wall on the landing. Doc, you, you hear that? Is, is that a kit down there? That's unconfirmed. Please, affix an adhesive light to the wall and verify that it functions. D-9035 hesitates, then removes one of the lights from his backpack and adheres it to the wall. He presses on the light and turns it on. Now, please turn off your flood lamp. D-9035 hesitates again before turning off the lamp. The LED light illuminates a landing, but does not extend beyond the first step either way. Thank you. You may turn your flood lamp back on. Please continue to descend. At each landing, affix an LED light to the wall and turn it on. If you notice anything unusual, report it. D-9035 turns the flood lamp back on, then descends the next flight of stairs. As he sets foot on the landing, the audio picks up sounds of pleading and crying, consistent with those of the first exploration. Okay. Can you still hear the previously reported audio? Um, yeah, she, she sounds about 150, maybe 200 meters down. Uh, am I supposed to get her? Look, Doc, I, I don't do good with kids. Please, place the light and continue down. The subject adheres the light to the wall and it turns on, then continues to the next landing. He adheres the third LED light to the wall and it turns on. D-9035 continues in this manner for the next 25 flights before stopping. D-9035 continues in the same fashion for the next 24 flights. At the 51st landing, he stops. Footage shows an arced gouge in the concrete wall, estimated to be approximately 50 centimeters long and 10 centimeters wide. 
the first step down from the landing appears to be completely smashed into rubble. You see that? Yes. Can you please describe what you see? Uh, looks like something smooth at the wall. And uh, the step over there, it's, it's all crumbled up and stuff. The, the slash mark looks really smooth. D-9035 touches the gouge mark. It's, yeah, it's smooth. It feels like glass. Thank you. Please continue down. Look, Doc, I, I, I think I've gone far enough. Please continue, as per our agreement. I don't want to be doing this agreement or not. D-9035 steps over the destroyed step and continues down the staircase. Nothing is notable at the next landing. D-9035 adheres an LED light to the wall and continues in the same fashion for another 38 flights. The sound of the crying and pleading still has not gotten closer. D-9035 is on the 89th landing and 74 minutes have elapsed from the beginning of the exploration. Subject is estimated to be 350 meters below the initial platform. I feel like the kids D-9035 stops talking and moving as the flood lamp illuminates SCP-087-1. The face is staring directly at D-9035, again indicating awareness of the subject's presence. Although SCP-087-1 appears to be unmoving, its location is 38 flights below the initial encounter in Exploration 1, indicating it is mobile. After ascending 72 flights, D-9035 collapses on the 17th landing. D-9035 is unresponsive, but labored breathing can be heard through the audio feed. For the next 14 minutes, D-9035 is immobile. The visual feed is black, and audio only picks up the subject's breathing and the continuous pleading coming from below. After 14 minutes and 32 seconds of unchanging visual and audio feeds, the sound of a rapid heartbeat, not consistent with a human heartbeat, and a low cracking noise is heard. Seven seconds later, D-9035 gasps and revives, continuing his ascent of the stairs rapidly and wordlessly. The heartbeat and cracking cease, and nothing abnormal is detected on the visual feed. He remains unresponsive. D-9035 exits SCP-087 and sits on the floor outside the entrance. D-9035 then enters a catatonic state from which he has not yet recovered. Next, we have document 087-3, a log of the third exploration attempt. This log features D-9884. Psychological background indicates a history of depression. Subject has minimal record of using excessive force to D-9884 is equipped with a 75-watt flood lamp with battery power capable of lasting 24 hours, a handheld camcorder fitted with a transmission stream, and an audio headset for communication with Dr. at control. 
D9884 is also equipped with a backpack containing 3.75 liters of water, 15 nutrient bars, and one thermal blanket. D9884 stands on the ground level landing of SCP-087. The flood lamp illuminates only the first nine steps. LED lights placed on the wall during the last exploration are not visible. Okay, please descend down the first flight and examine the landing wall. D9884 descends 13 steps and stops at the landing. There is no trace of the LED light at the location that footage from Exploration 2 indicates where it would be placed. D9884 indicates the spot on the wall where the LED light should have been located. There's a child crying down here. She's... she's begging for help and crying. Okay, thank you. Please continue down the steps until you notice anything unusual. D9884 descends. Upon reaching the next landing, audio of the crying child, consistent with the prior two experiences, is picked up. No LED lights appear to be present on any of the landing walls. D9884 continues with no incident until she reaches the 17th landing. Video feed confirms the presence of substance occupying a space approximately 15 centimeters in diameter. Uh, can you please describe the scent for us? Uh, it kind of smells like old rusty metal and pee. Thank you. Please continue until you notice anything else. D9884 continues to the 51st landing without incident. The 51st landing remains unchanged from the previous expedition, and similar observations are made. D-984 is asked again to descend until anything unusual is noticed. Subjects continues their descent until the 89th landing is reached. The video feed jerks and the subject yells. Video feed confirms the presence of a hole approximately one meter in diameter. The subject shines the floodlight down, revealing only blackness. Approximately four seconds pass, and the light of an indeterminate distance down the hole flicks on for approximately two seconds and then back off. There's a light down here. It's gone now, but it was on for like a second. Did you see it? Yes. Can you estimate the depth of the hole? No way. It's D9884 continues to descend SCP-087 for approximately an hour, covering an additional 164 flights. She stops to rest on the 253rd landing, consuming one nutrient bar and several gulps of water. 
D984 is at an estimated 1.1 kilometers below the initial landing, yet the sound of the child has not changed in volume. After pausing for 4 minutes, D984 resumes her descent, making no stops for another 216 flights, 1.5 hours later. D984 is on the 469th landing, an approximate 1.8 kilometers below ground level. D-9884 turns towards the previous flight of stairs. SCP-087-1, the face, is directly behind D-9884, blocking her ascent. The face appears approximately 30 centimeters from the lens of the camera. Its eyes are fixed directly upon the lens, this time not looking at the subject, but the person viewing the video feed. This video feed glitches and freezes for 4 seconds, accompanied by a static-like screeching noise from the audio feed. It then cuts to bumpy visuals of D-9884 descending the stairs rapidly. D-9884 continues to scream and plead hysterically as she rapidly descends the staircase. The previously heard static-like screeching seems to overlay the audio feed, beneath which can still be heard the original sound of the crying child. Approximately 14 flights down, the video feed swings to show the area directly behind D-9884. The face is now approximately 20 centimeters from the camera lens. It is not staring at the subject, rather it is fixated on the camera lens, giving the illusion it is making eye contact with those viewing the footage. It is important to note that since the sighting of SCP-087-1, the sound of the girl crying and pleading has been increasing in volume, indicating D-9884 is nearing the source. After an approximate 150 panicked flights of descent, with three visual confirmations of SCP-087-1 still in pursuit, D-9884 trips and appears to fall unconscious. Audio feed indicates strong proximity to the source of the crying. The static and screeching noise continue. Video feed shows yet another descending flight of stairs, indicating D-9884 has still not reached the base of the stairwell. Twelve seconds of motionlessness pass before the face comes in full view of the camera. Eye contact is being made directly with the viewer. Audio and video feeds cut out, and no connection is re-established. And it is here where I would present document 087-4, but for the purposes of this training log, such document has been expunged, and this will mark the end of the file of SCP-087. And now, with that story done, I present to you another SCP. This one doesn't come with its own recordings, but is a useful learning tool nonetheless. Thus, I present to you item number SCP-035, The Possessive Mask, 
researched by Tired Snow, where the O is a zero. Its object class is Keter. Now, the special containment procedures. SCP-035 is to be kept within a hermetically sealed glass case, no fewer than 10 centimeters or 4 inches thick. This case is to be contained within a steel, iron, and lead-shielded room at all times. Doors are to be triple locked at all times, with the exception of allowing personnel in or out. No fewer than two armed guards are to be posted at any time. Guards must remain outside at all times, and are not allowed within the containment room under any circumstances. A trained psychologist is to remain on site at all times. Research personnel are not to touch SCP-035 at any time. SCP-035 must be moved to a new sealed case every two weeks. The previous case must be disposed of via SCP-101, as it shows no adverse reactions to SCP-035's corruption. Anyone who comes into contact with SCP-035 when it is in possession of a host is to be given an immediate psychological evaluation. Description SCP-035 appears to be a white porcelain comedy mask, although, at times, it will change to tragedy. In these events, all existing visual records, such as photographs, video footage, and even illustrations of SCP-035 automatically change to reflect its new appearance. A highly corrosive and degenerative viscous liquid constantly seeps from the eye and mouth holes of SCP-035. Anything coming into contact with this substance slowly decays over a period of time, depending on the material, until it has decayed completely into a pool of the original contaminant. Glass seems to react the slowest to the effects of the item, hence the construction choice of its immediate container. Living organisms that come into contact with the substance react much the same way, with no chance of recovery. Origin of the liquid is unknown. Liquid is only visible from the front and does not emerge or is even visible on the other side. Subjects within 1.5 to 2 meters of SCP-035, or in visual contact with it, experience a strong urge to put it on. When SCP-035 is placed on the face of an individual, an alternate brainwave pattern from SCP-035 overlaps that of the original host, effectively snuffing it out and causing brain death to the subject. Subject then claims to be the consciousness contained within SCP-035. The bodies of possessed subjects decay at a highly accelerated rate, eventually becoming little more than mummified corpses. Nevertheless, SCP-035 has demonstrated the ability to remain in cognitive control of a body experiencing severe structural damage, even if the subject's body literally decays to the point where motion is not mechanically possible. No effect is found to be had when placed on the face of an animal. Conversations with SCP-035 have proven to be informative. Researchers have learned various details about other SCP objects and history in general, as SCP-035 claims to have been at many momentous events. SCP-035 displays a highly intelligent and charismatic personality, being both amiable and flattering to all those who speak with it. 
SCP-035 has scored in the 99th percentile on all intelligence and aptitude tests administered to it, and appears to have a photographic memory. However, psychological analysis has discovered that SCP-035 to possess a highly manipulative nature, capable of forcing sudden and profound changes to interviewer's psychological state. SCP-035 has been proven to be highly sadistic, prompting some to commit suicide and transforming others into near-mindless servants with linguistic persuasion alone. SCP-035 has stated that it has intimate knowledge of the workings of the human mind and implied that it could change anyone's views if given enough time. Additional, SCP-035 was found in a sealed crypt in an abandoned house in Venice in 18... And now, a number of addendums about SCP-035. Addendum 1. SCP-035 has been found to be able to possess anything that has a humanoid shape, including mannequins, corpses, and statues. SCP-035 has been able to motivate all into movement, removing the need to expose live subjects to SCP-035. Still, anything it possesses inevitably decays into motionlessness. Addendum 2. SCP-035 has facilitated an escape attempt, convincing several of the research staff to aid it in its bid for freedom. The insurrection failed. All staff that have been in contact with SCP-035 have been terminated, and mandatory psychiatric evaluations have been implemented for all personnel coming in contact with SCP-035. Addendum 3. It has been determined that SCP-035 is capable of telepathy, whether or not it possesses a host, even penetrating to the subconscious of others, and using the knowledge it finds to its advantage. Extreme caution is advised when in choosing subjects to converse with SCP-035. Addendum 4 SCP-035 has expressed an interest in other SCPs, most notably SCP-4715 and SCP-682. Dr. has expressed worry that should SCP-038 bond with either, their regenerative qualities would negate its corruption and give it a permanent host. Addendum 5. After several more escape attempts, and after reviewing SCP-035's incident record, High Command has ordered that it be permanently sealed within the facility and prohibited from being allowed more hosts. Several personnel have protested against this, with some even erupting into violence. As a direct result, all personnel that have come into contact with SCP-035 have been terminated. Going forward, all personnel that deal with SCP-035 are to be rotated frequently and contact is to be limited even to its dormant state to as little as possible. Addendum 6 Personnel within 10 meters of SCP-035 have recently reported feeling unease, stating that they can hear unintelligible whispering. Several others have suffered from severe migraines. Object has been monitored, but there is no change in its dormant behavior, and no sounds have been recorded. The motion to reinstate SCP-035's host privileges has been brought up once more, if only on a temporary basis to discover these new changes in the object's behavior. This has been denied. Addendum 7. The walls of SCP-035's containment cell have suddenly begun secreting a black substance. Tests on the substance have revealed it to be human blood, although highly contaminated with several foreign and unknown agents. 
The substance itself is corrosive, having a pH of 4.5, and prolonged exposure to the walls have proven to be detrimental to their structural integrity. More notably, it seems to be forming patterns on the walls. Several segments seem to be paragraphs in various languages, including Italian, Latin, Greek, and Sanskrit. Translation is pending. Other segments appear to be diagrams depicting ritualistic sacrifice and mutilation, often for the arcane benefit of the person committing them. Several staff members have been shocked to note that all of the sacrifices bear an uncanny resemblance to various personnel and their loved ones, often in conflicting positions. Researchers, while in the room examining these newly formed patterns, have complained of hearing loud whispering and high-pitched, unnerving laughter at regular intervals. Personnel in the section working daily near or around SCP-035's containment unit have suffered catastrophic morale damage, with an all-time high in suicide rates in staff in that area, whether or not they have ever had contact with SCP-035. The only change in SCP-035's dormant behavior is regarding its contained glass case. Degradation of the case has increased to a high degree, enough so that the glass will occasionally shatter, causing a wide dispersal of SCP-035's containment. This occurs quite often at the most inappropriate times, so far resulting in six casualties and three fatalities of both research and cleanup staff. Addendum 8. In light of the mass suicide and homicide of the members of the research team tasked with translating the passages garnered from SCP-035's containment cell, the morale damage in the area, and general loss of staff dealing with SCP-035 to either death or insanity, it has been decided to coat the inner and outer walls of its containment cell with SCP-148, which has proved well in the containment of SCP-132. See document 132-01. In order to hopefully block out the high levels of negativity being emitted by SCP 035. Addendum 9 The use of SCP 148 has worked well, causing morale and suicide rates to return to near pre SCP 035 rates. However, the material appears to facilitate the negativity within the cell, causing a veritable greenhouse effect inside. Personnel inside the cell have stated that they feel a heavy sense of dread, fear, anger, and general depression, as well as hearing constant, nearly inaudible whispering upon immediate entry. A prolonged stay causes severe migraines, suicidal tendencies, heavy hemorrhaging of blood vessels around the eyes and inside the mouth and nose, general hostility to others, and for the whispering to increase to almost deafening volumes, intersected by a constant mocking laughter. Exposure of more than three hours inevitably results in a subject falling into deep psychosis and attempting to harm themselves or others. Most spoke in Latin or Greek, despite the fact that several did not previously know how to speak said languages beforehand. The presence of blood in both word and diagram formations has increased disproportionately, the walls becoming cluttered and the formations beginning to overlap each other. The substance has been proven to be both difficult to clean and even more corrosive than was originally recorded, with a pH of roughly 2.4. General estimation gives the current walls a life of two months before they will need replacement. It is becoming gradually more and more difficult to contain SCP-035, and the debate to reinstate its host privileges has come up once again. This was denied. Addendum 10. 
the walls, ceiling, and floor of SCP-035's containment cell have now become completely saturated in blood. All personnel entering and guarding the area must wear full hazmat protection suits. Constant cleaning efforts are being instated. And finally, Addendum 11. The magnitude, intensity, and recurrence of the phenomena that occur within SCP-035's containment cell have increased to an alarming degree. The cell door has been known to become locked of its own accord while personnel are inside, and unable to be opened for a period of time. Appendages form out of the larger puddles of blood and often attempt to grab or harm personnel near them. Blurry apparitions have started appearing to staff. Electronic devices no longer work inside the cell, and the light cannot be turned on, though there is no physical reason why it does not work, forcing those entering to use non-electric-based light sources. Cleaning measures have no discernible effect on the cell, and the walls are degrading at a very high rate, forcing them to be replaced within a week at longest, although the blood makes it nearly impossible to properly achieve this. SCP-035 may have to be moved to a new cell entirely, with the old one sealed off and disengaged from the rest of the facility. Item number SCP-294 The Coffee Machine Originally researched by FAR-2 Object Class Euclid Special Containment Procedures there are no standard special containment procedures on file for item SCP-294. However, only personnel of security clearance level 2 or higher are allowed to interact with it. See document SCP-294-A. SCP-294 is currently being stored in the second floor personal break room and is monitored by two guards of security clearance level 3 at all times. Description. Item SCP-294 appears to be a standard coffee vending machine, the only noticeable difference being an entry touchpad with buttons corresponding to an English QWERTY keyboard. Upon depositing 50 cents US currency into the coin slot, the user is prompted to enter the name of any liquid using the touchpad. Upon doing so, a standard 12-ounce paper drinking cup is placed and the liquid indicated is poured. 97 initial test runs were performed, including requests for water, coffee, beer, and soda, non-consumable liquids such as sulfuric acid, wiper fluid, and motor oil, as well as substances that do not usually exist in liquid state, such as nitrogen, iron, and glass, and each one returned a success. Test runs with solid materials, such as diamond, have failed. However, as it appears that SCP-294 can only deliver substances that can exist in a liquid state. It is of note that after approximately 50 uses, the machine would not respond to further requests. After a period of 90 minutes, the machine seems to have restocked itself. It is also interesting to note that many caustic liquids that would have eaten through a normal paper cup seem to have no effect on the cups dispensed by the machine. Testing is ongoing. As suggested, SCP-294 was moved to the second floor personnel break room as a money-saving venture. Following incident 294-01, guards were stationed at the item and a security clearance became necessary to interact with it. Document SCP-294-A regarding incident 294-01. 
On August 21st, 2005, Ancient Joseph attempted to use item SCP-294 to obtain coffee during his allotted break time at 9.30 a.m. At the request of Agent to, quote, see what it would do, Joseph requested a cup of Joe from the item. Moments after confirming the selection, Ancient Joseph began to sweat profusely and complained of dizziness before collapsing. After moving the unconscious agent to the infirmary, the medical team recovered the contents of the cup dispensed by item SCP-294, a combination of blood, tissue, and other bodily fluids. Testing revealed the DNA sequence of the biological material dispensed by SCP-294 matched that of Agent Joseph. Agent Joseph made a complete recovery after four weeks of rest and intravenous hydration. X-rays and CAT scans showed no further signs of injury and Joseph was released. Both agents were reprimanded. Additional security measures for SCP-294 have been recommended. Addendum F. After reviewing documentation on SCP-294, suggested testing SCP-294's ability to, quote, retrieve specific liquids from a distance. Addendum H. A cup of SCP-075 secretion was used as input. The product was proven to be the requested liquid, and the cup was able to successfully contain the material. However, the report for Incidents 075-07 was acknowledged two hours after the test. A containment procedure breach had occurred exactly the same time as the test was taking place, waking SCP-075 to its active stage. It was able to secrete an amount of basic solution equal to the capacity of a coffee cup before emergency containment procedure was applied and it was rendered passive. The liquid was not found in the post-incident investigation. Addendum I. Researcher punched in request for cup of gold. The machine dispensed a cup of molten gold. Researcher requested similar precious materials with the same result. Addendum J. Researcher punched in, from a safe range, request for a cup of anti-water. The machine hummed briefly, then displayed out of range on the entry pad. It is theorized that SCP-294 has a limited range of collection and cannot reach into alternate universes or dimensions. Addendum K. Researcher punched in request for diamond. SCP-294 briefly hummed, then displayed out of range on entry pad. SCP-294 gives the result for all solid substances. As diamond is a solid crystalline form of carbon, it appears the machine will not dispense liquid carbon, as this does not result in a diamond. When cup of carbon was subsequently punched in, the machine dispensed a cup of liquid carbon. SCP-294 was immune to the damaging effects of the dispensed liquid. Addendum M. Testing for range of SCP-294's capacity for retrieval has been initiated. A unique compound has been formulated, composed of undisclosed ratios of brand bleach, brand cola, met RX powder, and garam masala. The fluid was created and placed in a sealed container 25 meters away from SCP-294. When requested, the fluid was dispensed. An equal amount of the mixture was no longer present in its original container. Addendum O-01. Researcher, under observation of level 4 personnel, keyed in a request for the best drink I've ever had. An SCP-294 dispensed a fluid similar in appearance to cola. The researcher identified it as a mixed drink he recalls having at a bar during his bachelor party, and was convinced it was the best drink. 
did not know what ingredients were in the drink besides rum and cola. Further tests scheduled to ascertain how SCP-294 gathers information. Addendum O-01A Under the same conditions, Agent typed in the best drink I've ever had. SCP-294 delivered a dark fluid topped with white foam, which was later identified as Vienna Lager. The cup was printed with a color picture of five men and two women drinking beer on the beach, was one of them. In his briefing, Agent confirmed that his favorite drink ever was a Vienna Lager he consumed at the beach with his friends. It has now been confirmed that SCP-294 has the ability to directly gather information from someone's mind in order to comply with the given conditions. Addendum Q-01, subject keyed the perfect drink. The machine dispensed a cup containing an odorless lavender liquid. After drinking the liquid, subject appeared to go into shock. Subject later committed suicide, leaving a note which read, I'm sorry, but at this point, everything's just one big letdown. Requesting such a drink again is highly discouraged. None of the components in the drink yet have been identified. Addendum T-01. Subject keyed in something Cassie will like. The device was heard to hum for about three seconds before dispensing an empty cup. Printed on the side of the cup was an image from a traditional soda fountain glass filled with something brown and topped with whipped cream. Upon introduction to SCP-085, it was identified by her as a chocolate banana milkshake and judged delicious. Addendum W. Researcher keyed in request for a cup of music. SCP-294 produced a clear, sparkling fluid that tasted vaguely alcoholic. Following ingestion, subject reported feeling and not hearing a continuous rhythm and demonstrated the ability to move and even dance with a certain fluidity that he had not previously shown. Testing on other abstract concepts is continuing. Addendum A-B. During a mass security breach, Agent requested a cup of pertinent medical knowledge while taking shelter inside the second floor break room. Of the four agents in the room, Agent was the only one who was not injured. SCP-294 poured a cup of clear green liquid. Following the ingestion of the substance, Agent began mending the other agent's wounds in a manner consistent with Foundation medical training. Agent no longer has the medical training the liquid provided, and other attempts to recreate the effect have failed. The agent has speculated that this event was an emergency measure taken by the object to ensure self-preservation. Addendum A-C, Dr requested my life story from SCP-294. SCP-294 made humming noises and shook violently for approximately three minutes before providing a highly viscous, opaque black liquid. Upon consumption, Dr. reported that he remembered everything that ever happened to him. Following the test, Dr. entered his office and returned 48 hours later with a 538-page autobiography. Addendum A-D. Researcher produced request consisting solely of the phrase, surprise me. Device produced an opaque cup containing normal water, later determined to have been heated to approximately 200 degrees Celsius. Upon receiving vibration from transport, the content of the cup turned to steam, violently spraying boiling water in a two meter radius. Addendum AF. Researcher produced request for blood of Christ. SCP-294 vibrated and produced the message Hic est enum calix sanguinis mai, 
then produced a paper drinking cup containing approximately 0.12 liters of red grape wine. Addendum A-G. Researcher produced request for cup of Smilodon blood, cup of passenger pigeon blood, and cup of Thomas Jefferson's blood, and received three out-of-range errors. Addendum A-H. A D-class personnel with average intelligence and low curiosity scores was given written instructions about what to request. The D-class personnel produced a request for blood of Canis lupus and received a cup of liquid subsequently identified as wolf blood. Next, saliva of Equus ferris capillus and received liquid identified as horse saliva. Next, urine of Phascloractos cinerus and received koala urine. Next, cerebrospinal fluid of Phoberimus pattersoni and received liquid that is undergoing analysis. It is to be noted that this species went extinct during the late Miocene epoch, approximately 8 million years ago. Addendum AI. Dr. King produced request for a cup of room temperature superconductor and received a cup of apple juice with seeds floating in it. Addendum AJ. Dr. Menchu produced a request for a cup of D151839's leukemia and received a cup of fluid. The fluid is microscopically examined and found to contain leukemic blast cells, which were a genetic match to D151839. A second request for the same object resulted in out-of-range error. This D-class personnel was subsequently found to be free of leukemia. However, within 15 days, the leukemia had recurred. Other experiments are currently waiting approval. And that brings us to the end of today's lesson. I hope you found the previous files to be informative and to properly, at least somewhat, prepare you for life at the Foundation. I will see you next week at 9pm Atlantic on CHSR 97.9 FM in the Fredericton region, on www.chsrfm.ca online, or on your favorite podcast platform for your next lesson. And as we close... I would like to give a thanks to those in real life who contributed to the production of this episode. In particular, I would like to thank, first, Kevin McLeod, who produced the music that you found in the background of this episode. You can find the background tracks that I used and more at incomptech.com, all under the Creative Commons with Attribution 4 license. I would also like to thank the previously mentioned SCP authors once again, whose content was provided under the Creative Commons with Attribution 3 license on the SCP Wiki. And finally, I would like to thank the various voice actors that you heard in this episode. In particular, Esme, who goes by the online name of Wolf Dragon Thing, who did the... who did the SCP-087-1 voices. Zach Fontaine, who did the SCP-087-2 voices. And finally, Echo, who goes by the online name of Solus Echo, who did the SCP-087-3 voices.